0: Hey, hey, welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast, where we talk through some of the most outlandish stories in the Bible and what it would look like to live like those stories are true. I'm your host, Shannon Popkin, and my hope is that these conversations will inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and live the story. When my daughter Lindsay was maybe like two or three years old, we were at a pool one day, and she looked up at the lifeguard sitting on his tall chair and said, that's the king, isn't it, daddy? Well, she didn't quite have everything figured out yet, but even as a little girl, she knew that the great people were the ones who were lifted up. However, when Jesus gives us two metaphors to remember him by, he doesn't use images of thrones or crowns or power. No, the metaphors that he uses are rather astonishing, and they help us to reframe our understanding of this king who was called the Lamb. Here in this True Story of Easter series, we're talking about this king who laid his life down like a lamb. And today we're going to talk about several metaphors that the Bible uses, which I hope are going to shed new light on this amazing story that I'm going to retell about Jesus gathering with his disciples in the upper room to celebrate Passover this night before his crucifixion. Before we get there, though, I want to invite you to pick up your new Live Like It's True workbook. It's a 20-page downloadable resource, and I'm so excited to put this in your hands. One of the things it includes is a two-sided bookmark. On one side is a list of storytelling elements. So you can print this off and keep it in your Bible and have it handy as you study the various stories of the Bible. That's just one of the many things that are included in this workbook. So go to either the show notes or shannonpopkin.com and get your free Live Like It's True workbook. All right, now let's talk about metaphor. Here in the podcast, one of our goals is to understand the storyline of our Bible, like how God used story to communicate his message with us. And so our Bible is rich with metaphor. I think it's because there are two realities. There's the physical realm that we live in, but there's also this spiritual realm. And so God could have just told us this spiritual story that's unfolding like in abstract terms, but I think he's sort of like a father who helps his children understand by using metaphors. He's saying, come here, let me show you what this is like. So a simile, as you remember, probably from your English class, a simile is when you say that something is like something else. But a metaphor is when you say that something is something else. So it's stronger. It's even more concrete. And so when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, that's a metaphor. And we're supposed to think about how Branches that pull away from the vine shrivel up and die, but branches that are connected to the vine are alive and have fruit, right? So we're supposed to take all of these thoughts and ideas that we have about vines and branches and then transfer them over into our relationship with Jesus. The point is that we find life when we're connected to him. So that's how metaphors are used powerfully in the Bible. And in this true story of Easter, there's this metaphor of Jesus is the lamb. And, but this one's a little bit more complicated, because with the vine and the branches, we immediately understand the metaphor. But with this one, you know, we don't look at a lamb with its fluffy white wool and say, oh, yes, I see a lamb is a deliverer. No, it's a little more complex, because to understand this metaphor, we have to understand the history of the Jewish nation. We have to look back at this event called Passover. And that's the event that Jesus is celebrating with his disciples in this conversation that I had with Aaron Davis about the true story of the lamb. I hope you'll listen to that podcast. Oh my goodness, it was such a rich conversation. But to understand how this image of a lamb connects with deliverance, you have to understand what Aaron was telling us about this story of the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And you have to know about how, per God's instruction, these Israelites all smeared the blood of a lamb on their door and then escaped through that door the very next day. Without the lamb's blood on their door, the angel would not have passed over their house, and they would have experienced death in their household, not deliverance and freedom. So, Now, coming forward to the story of Easter, Jesus is the lamb who created an escape, not just for one household, but for all of us who trust in him. So his blood spilled on that wooden cross is like the lamb's blood spread on that wooden frame. It creates a door to exit our slavery of sin and be set free. So see the metaphor? I hope you do. but here's the thing, the disciples didn't, (laughs) they didn't see, they did not think of Jesus as the lamb yet. They still were thinking of him as this conquering king. That's who they thought their Messiah was going to be. And so here is Jesus on his last evening with them, showing them, yeah, I'm going to be the great king who one day sits on the throne, but even then I'm going to be remembered as the lamb. Now, here's the part that I had never really put together before working through this story with Aaron Davis. So the whole theme of the lamb being connected to deliverance, this was God's idea. For centuries, God has been writing his story through the nation of Israel. This chosen people, chosen family that God promised to bless, their story has been shaped by lamb's dying, so that the people could be delivered. Just think back with me. If you have read the story of God's people in the Old Testament, you know the story about how Abraham was ready to sacrifice his oldest son, and then God provided a lamb. So a lamb died, and Isaac went free. And then remember that story I just mentioned, when the oldest sons of Egypt died, But the Israelites lived because of the lamb's blood on the door. So a lamb died and the Israelite firstborns went free. And then remember that God gave his people instructions for bringing lambs to be slaughtered as sin offerings. So a lamb would die and the people who sinned would go free. And now Jesus is going to die on the cross. The lamb will die and we will go free. But again, Jesus knows his disciples are not putting things together. And so he gives them a really strong hint. Here at the Passover meal, he offers them two more metaphors to explain what type of king he is. So the imagery Jesus gives them, it isn't a crown. It isn't a throne. There's no tie to power or wealth or the other things that most leaders want to be known for. Instead, Jesus gives his disciple the images of torn bread and an empty cup. Listen to Luke twenty-two nineteen. 19. It says, and he Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he's holding up a piece of bread, and he tears it. And he says, this is my body. Jesus's body is about to be torn by Roman guards. He's going to be ripped and torn for us, he says. And then in the next verse, Jesus is going to give them another metaphor. Uh, He holds up a cup and he says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. So Jesus's blood is about to be poured out just like the wine in that cup. He allowed his blood to be spilled on that cross for his disciples, for us. So these images are important and Jesus wants us to hold on to them. He wants to be remembered in these two ways, by torn bread and an empty cup. These are to represent the way Jesus physically emptied himself of dignity and the honor that he deserved. He clothed himself, not in royal robes and a crown like a king, but no, he clothed himself in humility. He went to the cross the way a lamb goes to slaughter. But why? (laughs) The disciples, they, they can't see and they don't understand because it's such a foreign concept to them. Humility is not what our world calls great, right? In my book, Comparison Girl, I talked a lot about the world's idea of pursuing greatness through measuring up and getting ahead and how the greatness of the kingdom is opposite of that. If you look at the cover of my book, Comparison Girl, you'll see this glass measuring cup, you know, the Pyrex kind that has the red lines on the side, and you'll see that that cup is being emptied out. So as I use this measuring cup metaphor throughout the book, I'm really riffing off of this scene of Jesus holding up an empty cup and saying, this is the kind of king I am. Philippians 2 tells us that we're supposed to have the mindset of Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So Jesus, you know, equality, that's a measuring word. And Jesus was not trying to measure up to God. He was equal to God, but that wasn't his point in coming to earth. Instead, he emptied himself, Philippians tells us, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. So what we learn here is that in the kingdom of God, the great one is the one who displays the greatest humility. And so what Jesus wants his disciples to know is That's the kind of king I am. In our world, greatness is all about measuring up and getting ahead and proving that you're greater than somebody else. But Jesus's example of greatness had nothing to do with the lines on his measuring cup and everything to do with the spout. If Jesus had a measuring cup, it would be bigger than the whole world, and it would be brimming full. Jesus did not lack in any way. And so what did Jesus do with all of his greatness? He emptied himself, and that is why God has given him the name above all names. So see how it works in the kingdom? It's upside down. The great ones are those who humble themselves. So from the beginning, God has been weaving together a story about a lamb who was slain, a king who emptied himself. This is how we're supposed to remember Jesus. And this is what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to model our lives after our king who humbled himself and who emptied his life out. So here's the retelling of the true story of the Lamb. The day before Jesus died on the cross is the day that the people of Israel would sacrifice a lamb and prepare it for their annual Passover feast. So on this very day, Jesus sends his disciples, Peter and John, to prepare this meal. He says to them, go into Jerusalem and you're going to see this man who's carrying a jar and he'll lead you to a place where we can eat the Passover together. So now it's time. The feast has been prepared and Jesus is reclining at the table with his disciples and he says to them, I have earnestly desired to share this Passover meal with you before I suffer. And here's my pledge, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in my coming kingdom. Now the disciples, they don't get it. They don't realize yet the significance of what Jesus is doing, but they will. The Passover was the meal designated for remembering their deliverance from Egypt. And this new meal that Jesus is now instating, it will be used for remembering the day that Jesus delivered them from their sin. So during this very significant meal, Jesus gives his disciples two metaphors to remember him by. He tears a piece of bread and says, this is my body, I give it for you. Then he lifts his cup and says, This cup is my blood poured out for you. Jesus wants them to regularly look back on this meal and remember him as the king who chose to humble himself, to be torn and emptied on the cross. And still today, when disciples of Jesus eat the cracker together and drink the juice, it's our way of remembering our king who humbled himself and became the lamb so that we could be delivered. I hope you've enjoyed this retelling of the Lamb episode, and I hope you'll take some time to read the story for yourself. Take some time in Luke chapter 22, treasuring this story up in your hearts so that you can recall it for yourself and share it with others, especially at times when you're confronted with the world's false narrative about greatness. The world says you have to measure up, you have to get ahead. But Jesus wanted us to remember him as the great one who emptied himself. We'll be back next Wednesday for the true story of Judas. In this episode, Lee Neenheis and I will further explore this scene at the dinner table as a scene of suspense with Jesus' betrayer seated right next to him at the table. You won't want to miss that one. And don't forget to check the show notes for all of the resources that we've mentioned here on the podcast. And don't forget to pick up a free copy of your Live Like It's True workbook. Thanks so much for spending this time with me as we ever increasingly learn to know the story, share the story and live the story. And now it's time to go live like it's true.